The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. At that time, the Lord appointed 72 others whom he sent ahead of him in pairs to every town and place he intended to visit. He said to them, The harvest is abundant, but the laborers are few. So ask the master of the harvest to send out laborers for his harvest. Go on your way. Behold, I am sending you like lambs among wolves. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals, and greet no one along the way. Into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in the same house and eat and drink what is offered to you, for the laborer deserves his payment. Do not move about from one house to another. Whatever town you enter and they welcome you, eat what is set before you, cure the sick in it, and say to them, The kingdom of God is at hand for you. Whatever town you enter and they do not receive you, go out into the streets and say, The dust of your town that clings to our feet, even that we shake off against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God is at hand. I tell you, it will be more tolerable for Sodom on that day than for that town. The seventy-two returned rejoicing and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us because of your name. Jesus said, I have observed Satan fall like lightning from the sky. Behold, I have given you the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and upon the full force of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice because the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters, first of all, I want to say thank you for the very warm welcome that I have received at St. Joseph's Parish Community. Um, my name is Father Russell Ward, and I am just replacing Father Peter for a couple weeks while he and Father Joshua are on vacation. So I'm also a Legionary of Christ, and I'm currently studying at Notre Dame a University in South Bend, doing my PhD in Moral Theology. So I still have five more years to go there, so a long trek ahead of me. And whenever I have a chance to get out of that world of my head and books, uh, I like to come and do some ministry. So I jumped at this opportunity, and I'm very happy to be here. Welcomed by this battalion of altar servers, which I've never seen before, which is amazing. And I don't know if the gospel applies today where it says the harvest is abundant, but laborers are few. Here there are abundant laborers, at least for the altar servers. So... Well, I don't know how many of you have ever wondered about this last line in this gospel, but it struck me when I was reading it, preparing this homily. It says, Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. What does that mean? That was the question I was asking myself, because last time I looked up at the sky, I didn't see my name written up there. Maybe I don't know, I guess, don't know what to look for, but I never saw Russell up there in the sky. And maybe it's like one of those constellations, you know, they say, Orion, you're supposed to see this big soldier up there. And maybe it's like that, where, yeah, your name's there, but not really, you know? And that's when I gave up on constellations and astronomy, <laughs> when I realized they didn't match up with what, they're supposed to, what they're supposed to look like. But, so I decided to do a little uh, investigation of what that really means, your names are written in heaven, because it can't mean that they're just scribbled up there in the sky. 
So I don't know how many of you have been to Rome and seen, you know, been to the Sistine Chapel and seen Michelangelo's masterpiece, The Last Judgment. If you haven't seen it physically, by being there in that chapel, I'm sure you've seen an image of it. Uh, it's a, such a famous image, and whenever we think of The Last Judgment, we can't help but think of it in those terms, because Michelangelo's painting has impacted our imagination so much. Just imagine a church about, at least a wall, front wall, about three times this size, with the whole thing painted, not with just a few words, but with Christ the judge in the middle and bodies, about our, each one about our size, like six feet tall, like swirling around that painting. It's incredible. Now, of course, Michelangelo is dramatizing the situation. That's what artists do. He has biblical references of the Last Judgment, and he tries to put it in his own terms to help us imagine what that's like. There's a small detail, which if you haven't really looked at the painting, maybe you've just seen it and haven't really examined it, that you may have overlooked. But it's actually pretty important to the the whole painting. And that's why this detail is pretty much in the center of the painting, bottom center. There are two angels. Each one is holding a book. So the angel on the right side of Jesus is holding a rather small book and holding it open to these people who are being pulled out of their graves. It's the resurrection of the dead. And on the left side of Jesus, there's another angel holding a very large book. And he's holding it open to all those who are being cast down into hell. Now, Michelangelo is reflecting the pessimism of his time. He, if you go to theology schools today, you'll hear about universal salvation with this kind of idea that hopefully everyone's going to be saved. I hope to God they're right. But we can't live presuming that's the case, you know. It's probably somewhere in the middle. Not like everyone's going to hell. Hopefully not. Probably not. Everyone's going to be saved, even though I hope that is the case. But Michelangelo is pessimistic. That's why he's holding that small book open to those who are going to be saved and the very big book to those who are going to hell. He was living in the midst of the Protestant Reformation. So if we think we're living in troubled times today in the church, uh, I don't know, maybe 15th century, we would have a little bit more difficult time navigating those waters when half the church is kind of like splitting away. That's the reality Michelangelo is facing. Anyway, I'm not here to talk about universal salvation or get into those theories. That's a temptation for me studying right now. But my, I want to focus on that small book. That small book is called the Book of Life. And Michelangelo is not inventing that. He's not pulling that out of you know, his artistic imagination. It is a book that is referenced continuously in scriptures. Throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, you'll find reference to this book of life, which contains the names of all those destined to salvation. So your name is either written in there or it's been blotted out. So uh, I hope to God that all of our names are there. Usually it's depending on whether we have received or rejected God's saving grace in our life. But the good news is that by our very baptism, our names have already been written in that book. By our adoption as children of the Heavenly Father, our names are inscribed there, not by any merit of our own. And our only task is to keep our names there by opening our hearts to God's grace, Because only by a determined persistence in sin can our names, by our own free will, be blotted out of that book. So what does all this have to do with today's gospel? Well, today Christ chooses 72 disciples who he sends out in his name to be his representative to all those towns he's going to visit. And by choosing 72, he's showing us that 
His mission goes way beyond just 12 apostles. He's expanding that mission to a great number of people. And that mission has come down to us today. None of us are the 12 apostles. We haven't seen Christ in the flesh with our own eyes and touched him like the apostles did. We haven't walked with him in Galilee. But at the same time, he has chosen us and given us all his authority and power because we have been made part of him through our baptism. We are part of Christ. And that is who we are as Christians. Another way of expressing this, and this is why it goes back to that book of life, is because our Lord himself is the book of life. So the book of life is not this physical book that we're going to get to heaven and have to go leaf through and hopefully our name is there and we find it and we get happy and we start getting really nervous when we, you know, we're looking through that book and we don't find our name. The book of life is Jesus Christ. It's a person. And it's the, the, the book through which God tells his story of love to the world. And we are like little words in that book, part of that story. So each of our lives is communicating the very love of God the Father in as much as we are part of Christ. At the beginning of John's gospel, actually, he says that no one has ever seen God. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, has made him known. And those words, has made him known, if you go back to the Greek or the Latin translation, communicate this idea that Christ is narrating the story of God the Father. He's interpreting the Heavenly Father's love to us. He's explaining it to us. And I think that if we realize that our lives are part of that explanation, our, everything we do and everything we are takes on a whole different meaning. And I think that that is what the Gospel is trying to communicate to us today. Maybe the best way to kind of give an image of what I'm trying to say here is... I don't know how many of you know about those medieval monks who would copy the scriptures word for word because they didn't have printing press, so they would write it down by hand. But they had a special task, you know, the, the, the special, I guess the holy ones who were copying those books, they were dedicated to the first letter. If you look here at this gospel, even today, it's, there's something similar, that the first letter is bigger, the big A, when it says, at that time. But back then, they would do a huge first letter, and it would be painted and super well designed. And then they would bring in the backup monks to do the rest of the, the hard work. But that first one would do all the painting. And it, was, it wasn't just because he was a good painter. Usually it was because he was a man of prayer. And, you know, he was a very spiritual person. And there's this famous book, perhaps one of the most famous manuscripts that has been copied. It's called The Book of Kells. And it has the most famous page in that book. is called the Kiro page. If you know the, the words Kiro or the... What that symbol is, is the symbol for Christ. It's like, I'm sure you've seen it before, it's like a, it looks like a P and an X, because those are the Greek letters for the first uh, letters of Christ. The X is the CH, and the P is an R, so it's like CHR, it's like Christ. So they did that paint, this painting on this page, but in that, you know, all these little details are the whole history of salvation, starting from Adam and Eve, going all the way down through Jesus Christ. And we can also put our own lives in there, our own story, with all our uniqueness, with all our individuality, our own history with its ups and downs and tragedies and joys. We can find ourselves written in that page of Christ. So we are written in Christ. We are written in the book, and we are part of the story through which God is telling his story of love to the world. 
really, we are the answer to Christ's prayer to send out laborers to his harvest. As he's making that prayer, he's already, if you've realized, he's already sending out 72 people to proclaim his message. He's answering the very prayer that he's making. And he does that in us too. So brothers and sisters, it's just an invitation to recognize the great blessing we have received as Christians. Not only are we representatives of our Lord and King, but we are actually Him in this world. Everyone we meet encounters a piece of Jesus Christ in us, encounters a reflection of God's love in us. It's an invitation to leave behind all the securities that we have, all the extra things we would like to bring on our journey, all the non-essentials. Imagine going on a, you know, I'm sure you've all traveled uh, the country. Maybe you haven't left North Carolina, I don't know. But if you've ever been to Europe you, and you have to pack a suitcase, you know, you try to put all your things in there and you realize, well, all this is not going to fit. And, I, you know, I have, to, I have some things I really need to bring, so you have to take out, you know, the extra blow dryer and the extra shirt and extra sandals and all those, all those things. Well, I really invite you to let Christ into your heart and let him pack your bags for this journey of life that you are called to live. And it's kind of painful because he begins to take out all these things you think you need in life, all these things that you rely on. And in the end, you find that you really only need one thing. And that's why he's telling the apostles or the disciples here in this gospel, carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals. In the end, you're going to find that the only thing you need is him. It is Jesus Christ and the love that you have for him in your heart. That is what is going to communicate to this world that is so in need of that message. So let us open our hearts to this gospel today, recognizing that we are small words within the one word who is Jesus Christ, the the one word of the Father, the one word of love. We are part of that story. And yes, this is our true joy. Not in having evil spirits subject to us. Not in doing amazing miracles, as awesome as that would be. But in having our names written in heaven. In having our names inscribed in the book of life, who is Christ Jesus. Amen. Our eyes are fixed on the Lord, pleading for his mercy. With confidence we now pray. That the church will evermore perfectly display the truth of God's love and the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That the Lord will bless our nation as we celebrate Independence Day this week and keep us always thankful for the gift of freedom. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For an increase of vocations to the priesthood and to the consecrated life, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Today's Mass is being offered for the people of the parish. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For those who are sick or infirm and for their caregivers, that God in his mercy will draw close to them and raise them up. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the repose of the souls of all the faithful departed, that through our prayers and those of the Blessed Mother, they may join the saints in heaven. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. 
May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Loving Father, make us faithful in following your law of love and bless us with your peace and mercy through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.